Hey everyone, Preston Keller here, and we are so thrilled that you have tuned in to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast, and we've got a great episode lined up for you. We're going to dive right in, but before we do, we want to let you know that you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook under the same handle. It's at Rush Students. So Instagram.com slash Rush Students and Facebook.com slash Rush Students. You'll find any updates regarding the podcast, regarding our May 2020 Youth Leaders Zoom, and any other resources for you and your students. If you uh, connect with us there, you'll be the first to know. Regarding this Zoom I mentioned for May 2020, this episode is actually coming from our May 4th Youth Leaders Zoom. And if you're listening in the future, this is from the year 2020. We had guest speaker Jonathan Walker with us, who is coming up on 20 years of full-time youth ministry experience. It must have been an act of God that we had this on May 4th, Star Wars Day, because he really is basically just a youth ministry Jedi master. (laughs) And it was phenomenal to have him with us and a ton of fun and super impactful. And we are really excited to share this episode with you. And you can listen in on that conversation with Jonathan Walker. But before we do, we also had Garrett and Allison Robertson with us who gave us a mental health tip of the week. They are veteran youth pastors from Barberton, Ohio, and Allison has her master's degree in clinical psychology, and they talked about depression. So actually, we're going to dive right in. Here is the mental health tip of the week with Garrett and Allison Robertson. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to talk a little bit about mental health. I think uh, obviously in quarantine, all of our mental health is important and um, especially that of our students. So uh, we wanted to just look at depression just for a little bit. And I think one of the most important things to know about teenagers in particular, and even young adults, um, but really teenagers, is they are not tiny adults. Uh, Teenagers are completely different, including um, their brain chemistry and how their brain is developed and what parts of their brains is developed and what part of their brain is lacking. So you can't treat a teenager um, as like as you would a 40-year-old. Um, a teenager's brain, a 14-year-old's brain is completely different from that of a 40-year-old. And that's important to know because when you think of depression, uh, a lot of times if you would say, tell me about depression, tell me about someone that's depressed, it would be someone who is uh, down, mopey, uh, maybe uh, helpless, hopeless, which is definitely symptoms of depression. But for a teenager, it's important to understand that those might look differently. So a teenager to kind of um, look at a teenager and say, I wonder if they're depressed, you would look at things like a change in behavior. So if a student was really, really involved and they're not involved anymore, Um, that would be a change in behavior. If they're uh, super um, extroverted and now they're introverted, that would be a change in behavior. And then the opposite is true. If they're really introverted and they all of a sudden just kind of come out of their shell out of nowhere to a a place where it just kind of seems a little off, it could mean that something is going on. Um, And your young teenage boys, your 12, 13, 14-year-old boys, a lot of times hyperactivity and attention can actually be a symptom of depression and not necessarily ADHD. Um, so it's important for us to understand that symptoms in teenagers um, do look differently than that of young adults and older adults. So it's important that when we 
talk to a teenager and we think something's not right, their behavior has changed, something seems a little off, it's probably true. The other good thing about teenagers is they're not really good at concealing things. They think they are, but they're not. So when you see something that's a little off in your student, you have to um, take that step to start asking questions. Um, another common thing that we see is, you know, you have those students that are doing things just for attention, right? So uh, a lot of people would say, well, just ignore it. They're just doing it for attention. Well, really, if you look at mental health, if someone's doing something for attention, the best way to help that person is to give them attention. So if someone says that they want to harm themselves, some you know, back in the day, we used to say, I'll just ignore it, it'll go away. Whereas now we say, no, you need to give them a lot of attention, even if you think they're not going to drastically hurt themselves. Um, we still need to give them attention because that's what they're asking for. And again, I don't have to tell everyone here, we don't, under, we don't always know the home life of the students that we have. So the attention that they're getting from you could really be life-changing in that moment. So again, just a little tip as far as, and Garrett will talk just for a moment, but just a little tip for depression. Just remember that depression looks differently and your student may seem really happy or they may seem like they're doing okay, but when you start to notice little off behaviors, that's probably a time that you wanna start asking questions and just dig a little bit deeper because you may have a student that's really struggling that uh, is just kind of waiting for you to open the door. Yeah, and I think, you know, depression really drives the this desire to be accepted, um, you know, whatever the underlying issue is for why they're depressed, um, they're trying to seek out, you know, as a fix for that depression um, to, you know, some sort of acceptance, um, some sort of affirmation. And so we need to understand that when there are those subtle changes in behavior uh, that are kind of alluding to the possibility of depression, that they're looking to someone, anyone to give them attention, to give them acceptance. And, you know, there are so many different groups uh, out in the world that they have access to that immediately accept. doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, you know, what your preferences is. You know, you talk about the LGBTQ, uh, whatever other thing that they've added to the acronym. They are the most accepting group that exists, period. Um, and that's why you see a lot of depression in that group because people who are depressed have run to that group. That group has embraced and accepted them and said, however you feel, whatever you want to do, that's good and accepted. But um, that obviously is not going to be the fix to that because they just say, keep doing what you're doing. We love you for it. But that's not really what, what they need. And so we need to understand that because they are seeking out that acceptance, we need to be more accepting than the other options. And that might be difficult for us to shift our mindset as the church, but the church really should be the most accepting group out there. And so we need to act, talk, and respond to situations as such. And we just have to be mindful that there are groups that are accepting and um, we need to be accepting so that they stay put within their youth group. And so it is our responsibility to create an environment where these conversations are normal, where they're accepted. You know, a student is not going to come talk to you about depression if you're not talking about depression in your student ministry, whether that's a student service, whether that's a series one month on mental health. 
you know, uh, uh, rarely has a week gone by where I don't at least utter the words depression, anxiety, you know, some mental health catchphrase because it just, it catches their mind. They hear it and they think, oh, we can talk about this in here. And when we began to do that, we had so many students come into our office talking about their mental health issues. And so create that environment, use that vocabulary so that they feel comfortable coming and talking to you. The last tip that I'll give you is that you need to get yourself an Allison. Um, if someone comes with a problem, I'm like, go talk to Allison. She's, she's awesome. Um, and so if you're not married, try to marry a mental health professional <laughs> um, and they'll pick your brain too. Or, uh, you know, but in all seriousness, find a resource, you know, find someone in your, in your group that, that has that desire to find that out. And maybe you can even push them in the direction of that education because that would be such a great asset. But no matter who you are, whatever group you lead, find a mental health advocate that you can tap into so that you're not just operating out of no, nothing or no knowledge, but it's good to have an advocate that understands. Man, oh man, that was so good. Mental health matters, especially in youth ministry. Thank you, Garrett and Allison, for our mental health tip of the week. And without further ado, we're going to dive right in to our conversation with Jonathan Walker, youth ministry veteran. And in this point in his ministry, it's his passion to pour into youth workers just like you and just like me. Here's our talk with Jonathan Walker. I'm just going to share some things I feel the Lord laid on my heart. I know three, three months ago, Zoom was like a verb to me. Um, and now it's like, you know, where we all live. So, uh, you know, keeping your attention here for, for maybe 15 minutes or 20 minutes, uh, I will do my best. And then as Preston said, you know, maybe we can open up uh, some some q and A. I know we've got people from, I saw someone from Odesso, California. Lindsay and I were just um, out in Stockton and we connected with the great youth workers and youth pastors out in the Western District right before quarantine started all the way to, so th- I'm looking on this chat and it's just amazing to see how many uh, youth pastors and youth leaders we have everywhere uh, on this call. But what I felt to do and when Preston called me last week, um, you know, I, I have a lot of, you know, lessons. I travel all over the country talking to youth pastors and I love it. It's probably my favorite thing to do. But I, I asked God uh, Saturday, I said, God, you know, this is a unique time. It's a unique season. You know, I, 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 I want to say something like a fresh word that maybe you can encourage all of us together, me included. What, what you know, what can you say? And the first thing I want to say to you, and it might be the last, but Alpha and Omega is simply this. Um, to everyone here, whether you're discouraged, whether you're in a season of things are going great, um, no matter what season you're in, I want to remind you, and this is a very powerful statement, you are shaping destinies. You are shaping destinies. And that might you know, change the tenor of this call you know, from... Queens pizza to Brooklyn pizza to Manhattan to Long Island, which I love. And now you've made me hungry, Preston. Thank you for that. Um, But on a real spiritual note, and we can shift pretty quickly in youth ministry, I want to remind you 
you are shaping destinies. Um, I, I wrote some things down. Event planning, yes. Transportation service at times, yes. Trip coordinator, food catering coordinator, counselor. We just heard from Garrett and Allison, psychologist, maybe even you feel like a psychiatrist at times, sanitation engineer. How many of you have to clean up after every youth event? Can I hear an amen? Education consultant, recreational representative, service leader coordinator, your preacher, your teacher, a lot of you involved in music. Now we're all digital technicians, whether we want to be or not. Social media, inventives, chaperones, we could go on and on. Take all that, put it aside. Your number one important calling is you are shaping destinies of young people. You're shaping their spiritual formation. And that is a powerful, powerful uh, a privilege. And there's a weight that comes with that. It's very, very heavy at times. Uh, but to, to be able to play a small part in the spiritual formation of the young people you lead is, is no small thing. And always remember that uh, whether you're your first year or you're, you're getting ready to hit number 20, I have to remind myself consistently of all the hats we wear and probably a youth pastor or a youth worker. You have one of the most diverse jobs in the church, but at its core, you are, you are shaping destinies and, and never, ever forget that. Um, there are two, two paradigms that I feel like the Lord wanted me to share with you. The first, I feel is like a Rima word. I feel it's for right now uh, on, on May the 4th. And, and the first is uh, something I want to share with you uh, in very transparent way, something that happened in our youth department, uh, I think it was seven years ago, and it was not a good season for us. Uh, you know, youth ministry, they say there are four seasons within a year, you know, winter, spring, summer, and fall. Well, in youth ministry, there could be 24. You could have two within every month, it seems like. Um, but we were in a rough season. Um, we had some core families that wanted to just kill each other. Um, I don't know if I'm speaking figuratively or literally, it was close to both. Um, we had young people that would come in and one would go on one side of our youth center. One would go on the other side. And I, I got word that, that this group wouldn't talk to this group. They wouldn't even look at each other. Had it right in that same season, had people coming to me saying, you know, Brother Jonathan, uh, this person is involved, you know, in drug use. This person's involved in in immorality. Uh, you know, this person they're coming to church, but they're living a double life, Brother Jonathan. And it, it was just one of those seasons where every it felt like every news that I got was was bad. And here we were pouring everything in. I'm, I'm a part of a very large church. It's a revival church. My youth group is very large. It's like a small church. And so on the outside, you know, we get caught up with image. And on the inside, I felt like things were falling apart, like all, all around me. And I, you know, have an affable personality. Typically, you know, I like to just connect with people and, and, uh, and, and have that spiritual environment environment in our church, just solve a lot of our problems. And it wasn't happening. And I went, I went to God and, and 
he had to remind me that there are some relational and spiritual battles that our young people will face, disunity being a big one, that cannot be solved over the lunch table. Um, and I'm a big believer in the lunch table. I've had thousands of lunches with young people behind the scenes that no one knows about. And that's where you develop relationships in youth ministry. But God spoke to me and I tried to help uh, youth pastors over the last decade with this. And God spoke to me and convicted me. And he said, can you present the cross to them in a way that is not seasonal? Present the cross to them every month. Don't make it just around Palm Sunday, Easter. Yes, we, we appreciate that season of the year. But try this for the next 12 months and present the cross to them. Just present the cross to them in your preaching. Be creative in your teaching, in your forum. So my young people probably got sick of it. But I just started to present the cross and the blood of Jesus in their life in a very, very consistent and powerful way. The tendency in youth ministry we have sometimes, and let me just speak really real to you right into your heart right now, is sometimes we get oversaturated with current, relevant, cultural communication, which all of that is wonderful. It is all needed. We need to be topic-centered, age demographic. All of those things are very, very important. I'm a big advocate of series. We're doing them right now in our youth department. But please make sure that you always have at the center of your curriculum doctrinal, powerful, transformative theology. And there is no greater transformative uh, delivering power than that of the cross and the victory that Jesus won on the cross. Um, this is my word of the Lord for you. So if I was doing a little bit of a theological reality, I want to jump into the word of God. God just spoke this to me, so I have to obey. And I hope this really blesses someone tonight. I want to take your attention um, really quickly. You don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll remind you of the story of Moses, the great deliverer um, in Numbers 21. Obviously, God had done great things. Great deliverance was happening, delivered from the tyranny of Egypt and Pharaoh. And then all of a sudden, it was almost like Moses had a youth group. I don't know about you, but you can walk out of the most powerful service. And, and, and the next day, people are complaining. People are griping. People are arguing. They're watching some godforsaken show on Netflix after they were weeping in the altar the night before. It's like, what, what is happening? Yes, I'm 19 years in. That still happens. Yes, see what you have to look forward to. And look at Moses. You would think everything was right. Moses, he just, he just brought people out of 400 years of bondage. You would think there'd be 400 years of celebration. It lasted like a couple weeks. And people started fighting and complaining and the, their flesh and hierarchy and all these things started happening. They were sinning so much that God said, okay, I'm just going to release a bunch of poisonous serpents into the camp. And they're going to they're going to infect everybody. People are going to start dying. All this crazy stuff is going to happen. So Moses, almost like a youth pastor, begins to intercede. He's seeing the carnage all around him. He's saying, God, please have mercy on my people. Please, 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 God, show your, show your mercy. Spare their lives. So what does God do? Very unique story. He says, okay, Moses, Go get a, you know, a long pole, almost like would be a standard, a flag on the top of a long pole. 
and build a brazen serpent and put it on the top of the pole and then walk around the camp. I mean, if you really read the Old Testament, there are some crazy stories in the Old Testament. This is one of them. Can you picture Moses? He's walking around the camp with a huge pole with a serpent on it, right? And what, what happened? All of those people, the Bible says God gave them a covenant promise and said, if they will look up and they will see the serpent on the pole, I will abate and I will still the pestilence all around them. And even if they've been bitten by the poisonous snakes, they're going to they're gonna find healing and restoration. They're not going to die. As long as you keep this brazen serpent high and lifted up in the camp and make sure that's their focus, get their eyes up there and they're going to find healing and restoration. And it's very, very interesting when we leave that story in the Old Testament and we go to Jesus. Arguably, could we say the most famous, maybe not famous verse, but most quoted verse by denominal Christians in the world is John 3.16? Maybe Acts 2.38, but some people really don't believe Acts 2.38, but John 3.16 tends to be the Christian verse. Let's go two verses before that. What did Jesus say before he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the power of the cross? He quoted Numbers, the story I just told you. In John 3, 14, Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. And if you research that, that phrase, that verb lifted up, in the Greek, it represents two things. It represents crucifixion and glorification. And obviously, we know Jesus was talking about how he would be lifted up on a tree, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and people found restoration and healing. The cross uh, did that, obviously, for, for all of us uh, as Gentiles. So what are you saying, Brother Jonathan? This is the Rima word, word I feel from God to speak directly to all of my youth pastor and youth leaders family. Are you ready? Beyond shaping destinies, this is what God spoke to me on Saturday. You are a modern day Moses for this time. You are a modern day Moses. God is looking for a youth pastor that will be bold and brave enough to raise up a standard high where everybody can see it. You don't, it doesn't have to be a serpent because that old covenant is passed. Now all you have to do is lift up the cross, lift up the redemptive power of the cross. Watch the unity that will begin to happen in your youth department. Watch as Garrett and Allison were talking about, everything they said was so real. But you know what can help? I have, in the last eight months, I've had three teenagers admitted that I visited in mental health facilities. One is still there tonight as I speak. This is very powerful and very real. It's attacking this generation like never before. I say this, where will there be a modern day Moses? They might be complaining. They might even be complaining about you. Raise up the standard of the cross as high as you can, as he did in the Old Testament and as Jesus did. He went later on to say, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The Clever series is great. Cool and Clever will get you so far. Consecrated and committed 
will bring transformation and life deliverance to all of our wonderful uh, young people. I'm asking, I don't know, Preston, if you could help me or who, who the host, if we were able to get that image on the screen, we're going to try to screen share something that is very relevant. You've probably seen this image, and this is what I want to stay with you tonight. You've probably seen this image because every day we're getting these COVID updates uh, with the World Health Organization. I want you to see how powerful the Bible is. And many of you probably know this, especially especially if you are in the medical field. Uh, do we have a chance to get that I'm, image up, Preston? I'm going to have to try and just show it right here. Can you see okay, that? Okay, perfect. If you look in Preston's box, you see that is the symbol of the World Health Organization. If you got a medical degree on your diploma, you probably saw this image. If you walk into a doctor's office, you probably see this image wherever you go. You know what that is? next to the World Health Organization, that's a high pole with a serpent wrapped around it. Now, thank you so much, Brother Preston. The ancient Greeks, not, not to get into a history lesson, the ancient Greeks tried to steal that, and they inserted that biblical story into their mythology. And you can read uh, uh, two or three different Greek uh, figures uh, had that symbol. And so the medical field thought they were taking that from Greek mythology to represent, if you see that, it represents healing. It represents restoration. But the Greeks got it from the Jews in the Old Testament, the stories, the ancient stories. And I don't know about you, but I want to raise up the cross like never before. People don't realize it, but they're looking at that World Health symbol every day when they get all those updates. And it's representing the power of healing and deliverance being raised up in the camp, and in the New Testament, the power of the cross being lifted up for everybody to see. So I challenge you, God is looking for a modern-day Moses in this pandemic to raise up the cross like never, ever uh, before. Uh, the, the last thing I'll say, and I'm going to cut some of what I said because I know our time is probably short, what I plan to say, uh, but this is a little bit more on the the practical but the spiritual side uh, beyond uh, wrapping your arm and getting your getting your arms around the cross like never before in this season and pointing get get your young people's eyes pointed up to the to the healing and deliverance uh, that is the cross is uh, approaching this pandemic season and approaching everything you do at a youth uh, from a youth pastor and a youth leader's perspective with the ultimate servant's heart. And I want to I want to say this. I feel like like God really wanted me to read these verses. I'm going to read James chapter four verses six through eight. James chapter four verses six through eight. Most of you could probably quote it. The Bible says, "He giveth more grace." Wherefore he saith, "God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble." Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Listen, I've talked, let me just get real and honest. I see my friend, Brother Gavin Cole on there. Shout out to Brother Gavin Cole. Gavin, let me use you for a second and, and pretend like I'm speaking to you, but I'm speaking to all of us. Gavin, you probably had some young people come in your office or in a text message and say, Brother Gavin, I just can't find deliverance. Brother Gavin, I'm frustrated. I can't beat this addiction. Brother Gavin, I can't get out of this cycle of frustration. What, what is wrong? What is happening? 
Two things. One, get their eyes on the cross. When you get their eyes on the cross, instantly there will become a spirit of submission in their life. Often what happens with teenagers is they try to resist and they do it in uh, very good faith from their heart. And there is resistance. They're, they're, they're trying to get out of that cycle of sin or that addiction or whatever they are struggling with. And I'm one to think that during this pandemic, if they struggled with the addictions and a cycle of a connectivity to something that is not good, this pandemic season is going to give them a lot of opportunity to jump right back into that. Do you, under, you understand what I'm saying? That's why I think this is such an important season. When you get their eyes on the cross like a, like a modern Moses, I'm asking you to be a modern Moses. And just like Jesus said, lift it up. When, when you get their eyes on the cross, there's going to be instant submission. I don't know how anybody could look at the cross and that act of love and anybody walk up to the cross proud and haughty. But what is happening a lot of, I've seen in this generation is a lot of our young people are resisting, but they're not, they're forgetting that first part, walking humbly and lowering themselves in full humility because we can resist all day long. You can resist. You can use the blood of Jesus. You can use the name of Jesus. You can get your preacher voice on and say, get thee behind me, Satan, my God. And guess what? You can do that all day long. Our young people can do that all day long. If they are not submitted, no resistance will happen. Zero. None. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I want to remind you of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses I never liked when I was a teenager, but boy, I love them now. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. Why? God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he shall exalt you in due time. We've got too much resistance going to try to get out of struggle without humility and without lowering ourselves. And that's not the most popular youth message to preach, but I have found that is what brings deliverance. And it helps end uh, the cycle of, uh, of frustration. Um, one of the last things I want to say is every great man and every great woman of God, and it's so wonderful to see a lot of the, uh, the ladies on here, and you, you are making such a great impact in our generation and being an example for our wonderful young people. And I compliment you, and I, I support you, and we are behind you 100%. But every great man and woman of God, Everyone, probably from your own pastor to all the heroes of the faith in the Bible, they have all gone through a season of trial and a season of transition. The second thing God told me to speak to you besides challenging you to be a modern day Moses and lift up the brazen serpent, the Old Testament, the New Testament, lifting up the cross like never before is this. Do not despise that season of trial and the season of transition you might be in right now. And we're all in the season of COVID and it's crazy, but I'm talking about on a deeper spiritual level. Listen to me carefully. And I couldn't say this 10 years ago. 
Listen to me carefully. Listen to my heart. This is my heart speaking to you right now. This isn't from a book. This is from my heart. I've lived this. The key to effective youth ministry is when you are in that season and when you are hurting, don't hurt others, but minister through your hurt. I believe, and this is not Bible, and I, I submit to your pastor, but I believe that in this generation, God is calling youth pastors to a little bit of a longer tenure than the statistics show. And really, the statistics aren't that great for youth pastor tenureship. You, some of you probably are more up to date on what they are, but typically they fall between like a two to five year period. Okay, and look, I'm not saying this just because God has called me to a, a, a longer tenure. I'm saying this because I believe it. Okay, I believe that your most effective years in youth ministry will be after you cross the five year plateau. When you get past that five year, I believe there's an anointing that comes on your life that is a that is just powerful. And uh, youth ministry is not a trampoline to something else. God can use these years for your future, but don't have wondering eyes during these formidable years. Because if you have wondering eyes of just what's next and where am I going to go or what my next ministry is going to be, I shared this with Brother Preston on Saturday. I started preaching to him. I kind of I felt bad when I hung up the phone. I said, well, Preston just got a 20-minute message. But I said, Preston, if that happens with any of our youth leaders, do you realize our young people, they pick up on it like that? They, 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 they pick up it. They pick up on it so, so fast. If, if we are not all engaged and, and, and all committed to them, when you are hurting, if you're in a season of trial or you're in a season of hurt, or you're having to minister while you are hurting, it could be just from life. It could be from somebody. It could be from many different sources, but if you're hurting, I don't care how you're hurting, but if you're hurting, if you're a youth pastor, you've got to, you can't shut down. You've got to continue ministering through your hurt. But listen, if you will minister through your hurt and not hurt others, because hurting people hurt others, if you will lay that down, God will use the season of ministering while you're hurt to help heal others. Matter of fact, you can see more people healed emotionally and physically in your season of hurt if you'll continue to minister through your hurt. God will bring great deliverance. Stay at the foot of the cross. Lift the cross up as much as possible. And when you're hurt, cling to the cross and continue to let God's love and blood flow out of you while you're hurting. And that's, that season I opened with seven years ago, I can't tell you the miracles that happened. Those people that I told you that wouldn't talk to each other, they were sitting on opposite sides of our youth room, wouldn't even look at each other. A few years later, I watched them be maid of honors in each other's weddings. They're now, you know, I don't even know if BFF is still a thing, but that's, that's, that's what they are. Um, I've seen those people I talked about that were living a double life, uh, still coming to church, but caught in the snares of, of the world and the, the, the strongholds that the New York metro area offers everyone and probably where, you're, where you live, you have certain strongholds. I've now seen them stand up in front of 1,200 people 
and give a powerful testimony and see other people delivered. What are you saying, Brother Jonathan? I'm saying this. Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't despise a season of struggle and a season of hurt. And above all, what I feel the Lord is telling us is be a modern day Moses. Go read the book of Numbers, that chapter I shared with you where Moses lifts up the serpent in the wilderness. A lot of bad stuff was happening, but Moses continued to walk through the camp, although he was being criticized and hurt, and healing and restoration started to happen. And Jesus did the same, a type and foreshadow of the cross where he was lifted up and all men were drawn. You're going to see unity in your youth group. You're going to see healing in your youth group. You're going to see a restoration in your youth group. And uh, I, 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 uh, I just feel in the Holy Ghost that if it was just for one youth pastor, maybe more, that those are the two things that God was asking me to share with you tonight. Uh, and especially don't wait till you get back in your fancy youth room with your fancy graphics and your great stage. If it's not perfect on Zoom, I challenge you sometime in the next month, get the cross in some of your content. Raise it up. People are hurting. People need healing during this time. Get the cross up. And the, it's a covenant promise that, that if, if you do that as a leader, as a modern day Moses, that, 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 that the serpent, which represents sin, right? It represents pestilence. The serpents that were that were infecting the camp are going to be put at bay, and there's going to be grace and mercy extended uh, to our young people. I've got more to say, Preston, but I'm gonna. Uh, I feel to maybe just stop there. And if anybody else, you know, wants to share anything, or if you've had any questions, if they're practical or spiritual, it's kind of like Brother Justin said. You know, he wasn't you know an expert in this area. Um, I'm. I'm not an expert. I'm probably the oldest among us, but boy, when I, when I started, there wasn't even social media. Think of how the world has changed. Think of how, I mean, youth ministry, I probably should write a book. Oh Lord, help us. <laughs> um, but, but what I'm saying is youth ministry. I love Justin's phrase. I don't want to uh, butcher it. It was something about being fluid and not frozen. I might not have the right terminology, but basically that's youth ministry in a nutshell, um, to stay open to, to the season. Preston, can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Let me say one more thing. Let me give you one more challenge that I did not do in my first 10 years of youth ministry that I should have done, that I have done in my second 10 years. Oh, shout out to Brother Nathan in Kansas City. Just, just seeing you. Great man of God. The first thing is this, I wanted everybody to just show up, be connected like me and just be involved in church. And for the first 10 years, I thought that was a success. The second 10 years, I've completely changed that. And I view that as if, if that is my goal, that is like the lowest level of goal you should have in your youth ministry. It should be a goal, make no mistake about it. That's important, connectivity, then being involved, them being engaged. That's great. But them just going through your youth program and being entertained, almost like a hamster on a wheel. Are they really going anywhere? Right? Are they, they're going to all the functions, but we want to see them, you know, leap and grow. And the last 10 years, God just said, forget your local vision, give them a global vision, raise your expectation of them to a level that's crazy uncomfortable for you as a leader 
because you'll feel like if you make that the goal and it's not attained, you're a failure. And that's probably why it was my pride and my insecurity. I was afraid to raise that bar so high. The last 10 years, I can't even begin to tell you the stories. And it's not credit to me. It's all credit really to God and to my young people, to my young adults that have responded to the vision. It's been incredible. But let me tell you what I couldn't have done it without. And this is what I want to challenge you. This isn't spooky. And sometimes in youth ministry, everything has to be cool and clever and we're afraid of the supernatural. But let me tell you this. You want your youth ministry to go to the next level? Do not be afraid of the supernatural. As a matter of fact, you need to seek and pursue it like never before. And as the leader, they cannot go as far as you are willing to go. Okay? And this is where I'm challenging you to go. If God is calling you to all nine of the gifts of the Spirit, I won't bore you and quote 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, but, 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 I, but I could. It's a powerful uh, chapter. It precedes the, the charity chapter, the love chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists nine spiritual gifts. Let me tell you this. If you're a youth pastor, and I'm not trying to bring like condemnation to anybody because for the first 10 years of my life, I did not do this. In my 20s, I did not do this as well as I did in my 30s. And yes, I've crossed over into, in, into 40, okay? But, but listen to me, listen to me. I did not seek the gifts of the Spirit like I should have in my 20s, okay? I want to say to everyone in your 20s, if you're in your 20s, do not be afraid to seek the gifts of the Spirit. It is a gift from God. So you can't just earn it or you can't read a book and get it. It's God-given. You can seek and maybe that's not a ministry God's calling you to. But I, I would not go throughout your, your youth ministry without seeking it. And this is the one that you must, must seek. I'm asking you to seek. Seek the gift of discerning of spirits. Seek the gift of discerning of spirits. This is why. Most people I've, I've connected with and talked to, and God has let me really develop into kind of an old bishop kind of, of like youth pastors. Like it's, it's really crazy. A lot of them call me, text me all the time, ask for advice. And really, I, I think it's just because I'm old because I sure don't know all the answers because just by experience, I've learned some stuff. When, when I tell them this, okay, I tell them this, I think they get a little nervous. Like, well, I don't want to be one of those guys that like, walks past Garrett and Garrett thinks like I knew what he ate for lunch. And that's like, young people aren't going to like me. Like that's like that. They're not going to want to be my cool friend because they know everything. Let me, that's the biggest misconception. There is no gift in the Bible called the gift of discernment. None. For some reason in Christian phraseology, that's entered the picture. Look it up. Read first Corinthians 12. There is no gift. That is the gift of the word of knowledge. Completely different. What I'm asking you to seek is the gift of discerning of spirits. That is what that gift is called. The gift of discerning of spirits. What do you mean, Brother Jonathan? I mean, when you are modern day Moses and you start raising up the cross like never before, or as Moses did, the serpent that provided healing and restoration, you'll be shocked. You'll be flooded with people coming to you because they're going to feel safe. Almost like Garrett and Allison said on a practical sense, you get what you say. You'll get what you invest in them. They'll start coming to you. Well, if someone starts coming to me, they've got anger issues or they've got even immorality issues, right? The first thing I do, the first thing I do is say, God, God, 
Let the gift of discerning of spirits operate in me right now because I don't want to, I don't care so much. I mean, I care, but I'm not interested in their symptoms, what they are showing me. God, show me so I can really help them and pray for them. God, show me what spirit they are battling. What is the spirit that they are fighting that is producing this action? And there's a lot of practical things like Allison was talking about that is so needed. But when you start to combine the education on the practical with the gift of discerning of spirits, then you you are poised to uh, be someone in their life. You don't bring transformation, but God will allow you to be that channel through which healing transformation flows. And I just want to say, to all of you in your 20s, and even if you're in your 30s, seek the gift of discerning of spirits as you raise the level of expectation higher than you ever before. And there will be an empowerment to your ministry. Um, and it's a behind the scenes thing. I'm, I think we have a couple of my youth staff on this call, okay? So don't wrap me out and, and, and go quote me tonight so they all see this. But look, I don't get up in our service, in our refuge youth center and say, the gift of the discerning of spirits is upon me and you are operating. Okay. You you obviously have to use wisdom and balance, but sometimes God speaks things to me and I know what spirit that young person is battling when they don't know that I know. And that's one of the most powerful leadership tools you can have is when they sit across from you and God can reveal not just their symptoms and their story, but what spirit are they battling? And that is a, That is a a powerful tool in your hand. It's a gift that God will use to help you be effective in this um, wicked and untoward generation as Acts 2.40 lets us know. So I just felt on my heart to, uh, I'm not saying that's a gift for all, but I would seek it. And I would ask God, don't be afraid of it. Don't be intimidated. Um, Walk in that gift because it is very empowering and uh, it will take your youth ministry to to the next level. Wow, what a message for youth leaders everywhere. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. And we do invite you to share this with your youth team members, with any youth pastor friends you have. And and if you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, consider leaving a rating and a review. As a brand new podcast, that will help us so much. Hey, we love you guys. We're in this together. You are not alone in youth ministry. Thank you for how you serve students and the Capital C Church. Your impact will not go unnoticed. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll catch you next time on the Rush Student Ministry Podcast.